0: So let's go ahead and get started with today's topic, and today's topic is actually going to be all about friendship, okay? So I chose this topic because I've actually been having some issues with uh, some of my friends, and um, yeah, I've just been sort of having these issues, and and what I normally do when I have issues in my life is I research, like that's what I do, I, I look for solutions, I If I have an issue with anything in my life, I will go and research the topic and see if I can get better at like understanding it or how to deal with it or how to address it. So I've been having some issues with some of my friends uh, recently and it's frustrating, you know, like I feel like I'm so attached to my friendships, um, especially because I have, I have friends, I have a lot of friends that I've been friends with for over 10 years, right? So I'm definitely attached to my friendships and I feel like an emotional attachment to them. So when they're not going the way that I want them to it it affects me and so I searched up uh um stuff on YouTube and I don't know why I was like I want to know Ed Milet's like opinion okay like Ed Milet is a super cool guy and I'm like I want to know his opinion on friendships so I just searched Ed Milet and friendships and I literally clicked the first video and it was an hour long and as I was in the in the morning I was doing some um like cleaning up the house and stuff like that as I was doing that, I was listening to it, you know? So that's how I, like whenever I have any sort of issue uh, in my life, I that's kind of how I deal with it. I look for more knowledge, more understanding. And I, I don't know if I necessarily got that exactly from, from this video, but I did get a lot of things. I learned a lot of things that I liked that that I thought were really cool from this uh, video. So it was, Ed Milet, it was an interview with Dr. Marissa Franco, okay, who is a New York Times bestseller for a book called Platonic? Okay, it's a recent. It's 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 a recent book. It's called Platonic. Yeah, he he's he's so smart. Exactly, I love Ed Milet. He's very like his speaking. He's such a. He's just an intelligent. He's a very. In, I feel like emotionally intelligent man. So he's interviewing this uh, New York Times bestseller and the book is called platonic and it's all about platonic friendships right and i got some nuggets from this from this interview that i that i really liked and i want to share them with you guys so it talks about how in our culture today we overemphasize romantic love relationships and we minimize platonic love relationships right we overemphasize love and 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 getting married or getting in a relationship and we don't really have as much emphasis on on friendships if anything in our culture today friendships are definitely secondary right when it when it comes as if they should be secondary or they are secondary and also I feel like there's um a lot of um there's a lot of this this idea of like keeping your circle small, cutting off people that don't serve you. And, da, da, da. and obviously like you should protect your energy, but at the same time, it's kind of like, it's kind of been idolized to have a very small circle and to not necessarily like trust a lot of people to cut people off. Right. For, for whatever reason. And that's kind of the culture that we're in today. Right. So a lot more emphasis on the love on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, um, romantic relationships, but in the past it wasn't always like this. Okay, in the past it wasn't always like this, and most people—if you just look at, you know, in the in the 1800s, most people didn't actually get married for love. Most people during that time used to get married for resources. This is back in the day; they used to get married for resources. It used to be kind of an agreement uh maybe their family would arrange the marriage or or they would get married because they're in the same class system right back in the day love wasn't like the core reason that you would get involved into a marriage it was all these other factors first and then if love became a part of it it kind of did over time and that was like a good thing but love wasn't a huge part of marriage like it is today today even Even cultures that traditionally do uh, arranged marriages and things like that are leaning more towards love marriages. I was literally just uh, watching an interview on YouTube the other day about the Masai tribe. I don't know if you ever heard heard of them. Um, The Masai tribe, I'm trying to remember what country it was in. It was a country in Africa. uh, My memory is uh, fading me right now. I think it was... uh, I don't remember now, but Masai tribe is a tribe that lives very traditionally. I've watched a lot of like interviews on them. I don't know why I just, I, I like like understanding how different people live and it's a very traditional tribe. Uh, they, they are, uh, polygamous, So they have one husband to multiple wives and they live in like huge, um, kind of homes together like they have like different they live in like little villages and the average Masai man has like 50 to 70 kids you know from like multiple wives and i just they they live very natural by the land whatever whatever right and they used to get married off very young and there was an interview with one of the Masai li- uh, wives talking about how she loves being uh having co-wives and how she loves that her husband has multiple wives and all the benefits of it and the community the way that they raise the way that the co-wives are like some of her best friends all these things and she said oh but the new people like the younger generation even in their country are actually not really doing the traditional style of marriage anymore they're getting married more for love whereas before you would get married and you would grow into love you would learn to love the person right so even in traditional cultures and this is a culture like masai tribe is very traditional right they're they're living off the land like they're very traditional tribe and even in their culture there's noticing that shift towards like love marriages right so that's been like a huge shift so back in the day though those feelings of like romance like and by feelings of romance i mean like when you're excited to see someone when you're, you know, you're, you're thrilled to spend time with them, you yearn for them, you, you maybe like idealize them or you have this like deep level of, of love for them and passion for them. Those sorts of things were not really present as much in marriages as they were in friendships right? Friendships is really where a lot of people got those things, got their excitement about other people, got their like excitement to see them. And they had this really deep love and passion and friendships at the time were way more intimate than they were now. And I thought this was fascinating because I never, never really like looked at the history of it. Right. But friendships at the time were way more intimate than the average friendship. Now people had more intimacy in their friendships and not sexual, of course, but platonic love it's still love it's platonic love intimacy like friends would hold hands or they would share beds or they would write love letters or appreciation letters to each other that was like common back in the day whereas maybe now it's a little less common maybe with 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 men you know uh, sharing beds and things like that is, is less common I'm sure it still happens depending on the friendship dynamics some people have really really healthy friendship dynamics but definitely a lot less common right if you look at all of your friends how many do you actually like spend a share a bed with or how many do you actually hold hands with or or touch or you know send love obviously not letters but send like messages of admiration right so even when i look back at uh it was my christmas a couple of weeks ago and i look back at um we look back at old photos of back home of our family and even when i look at photos of like my grandparents or my father and their pictures with their friends i notice that they're a lot more like intimate right i notice that they kind of hug each other more they they have these photos where they're like laying in each other's like they have these photos where like uh, there I know like my dad has this photo where they're laying in like a haystack and they're like one man's like a head is like over here and like they're in his armpit or something like you know it was like they were it, it seemed more intimate right and even if you look at, you know, back in the day, if you look at, if you think of like old school photos, like those historic photos of like sports back in the day, men would be laying in each other's arms. Like, like more intimacy was more common, especially amongst men. Right. And it's kind of like, I related to when you're like a child, right. I don't know how it is in your culture, but in our culture, when you're a child, you know, holding hands is is normal holding hands with other kids whether it's a boy or a girl is normal giving each other hugs is normal uh even giving each other a kiss on the cheek when you're a kid is normal like even if it's two boys in my culture that would be considered sweet and cute and normal like you're showing love to the other person right it's looked at as cute and affectionate not not as sexual right so it's kind of like that that it's natural in us and and those examples the things that I just listed, they show this kind of affection, this really deep intimacy, this physical touch that you have with your friends, right? That you love. It's not radical. It's actually very traditional. It's actually something that we always used to do, but look at the history behind it. I thought this was so interesting that this used to be very traditional and then everything changed around 1867. Okay. Around 1867, society changed the way that they viewed homophobia. Okay. It completely changed before that. It was, it was very taboo to obviously have same sex marriages and same sex love. I mean, right. It was very taboo, but these behaviors and friendships, right. Where you're holding hands and you're hugging and you're writing love letters to each other, they were not considered sexual. They weren't taboo, they were normal, right? But at the time there was these two psychiatrists that didn't like this increase in visible homosexuality and didn't like these increase in laws that were allowing it and and the way that it was becoming more normal. So they created these theories that same sex love, same sex sexual love, right? is a disorder, a mental disorder that defines someone's entire identity. So prior to that, people didn't really look at that, right? It was very taboo, but they didn't really look at that. So now it was like research had come out that having same sex, sexual love is a disorder and that it affects your entire personality. So now it wasn't just the, the sex with other the same sex that was stigmatized, it was actually the behavior that was, that could indicate sexual interest. So all of these things like holding hands, sending love letters, you know, um, sleeping in the same bed, all of these things, all of a sudden that you do with your friends that you love, it kind of changed in our culture. People started to be more scared to share those things because they had a fear of being judged and being labeled and it being misinterpreted for sexual interest when it wasn't right. It completely changed our our culture. And now it became really about obsessing over what other people are going to think of you. And it kind of pushed us away from this platonic love in our friendships. And I thought this was so interesting that this was actually like a change in history because I never realized it until until I listened to this information I never realized it now looking back I really like see it and I see how kids behave like versus how how we behave when we're adults with the level of intimacy that we show in in our friendships when we're kids okay so I have a story about that too so I remember when I was younger and I was back home in Serbia and uh, me and my cousin were walking around downtown and we were joking around and I was like, I was always like a little loud, outgoing kid or whatever. So we were joking around. I don't even remember what we were joking around about, but I slapped her butt, okay? I slapped her ass as we were walking and she, and mind you, Serbia is a little bit more traditional than here, you know? She was mortified. This is my cousin, my, my female cousin, okay? That is like, I'm super close with, I, I love her so much right and it was like a joke that I like tapped her butt like this like I just literally tapped it and she was mortified and I never forgot this because I thought it was she was being so dramatic but she was like what are people gonna think they're gonna think that we're gay they're gonna da-da-da. and she was literally mortified mind you we were way younger back in the day but she was so scared of what other people were gonna think and in my head I was like it's not that deep like it's like we we know we're cousins Like, why does it matter? But it really reminded me of all this because that's what I feel like the culture has somewhat shifted into, right? And you may not relate to this, right? You may not relate to this. And they said in in the book and in the interview that if you have really healthy relationships in your family dynamics, then that will also um, be in your friendship dynamics. So you may have like really healthy friendship dynamics that do share a lot of, Um, that do share a lot of platonic love and and show that. But for a lot of people, that's not the case. And so, yeah, she literally reacted so much. And I think the other reason, I think obviously the fear of being judged by other people, the fear of, you know, looking like something that it's not. But I think another reason that I personally think, they didn't mention this, but I personally think also, because we have such a hyper-sexualized society now, like everything is sexualized in our society. And it it it's gotten to a point where it's, it's, it's over the top, right? So small gestures can look sexual, even if they're not right. And I think that, that those two things are what affects the way that people are going to behave with their friends, because the fear of being judged, but also like things that are, that were never sexual now are considered sexual in today's society, like the most random things, right? So Nowadays, in friendships, there's kind of like this line that you don't cross. And if you cross that line, it's like a little bit weird. It's like, you're doing a little bit too much. You know, you're, you're okay, like, you're kind of like, wait, mm, that was a little suspect, you know, especially with men, with women too, but especially with men, except for men, the place where they have unlimited physical touch and it's not sexual at all is sports. Right, sports. Think about sports. There is so much freaking physical touch in sports, and maybe that's why they love it so much. Okay, because everybody, humans need touch. Okay, humans want to be touched, like obviously with consent, but they need that. They need like it's 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 the way that we connect. There's this funny um, thing that I do with my friends. If you guys have been watching me on my stories ever. And I do it with everybody, my friends, my family, my boyfriend. I love when people hold my ankle. I really don't know what the hell it is. Okay. Other than I just feel so comforted. Like I literally will have my foot out and they will just hold my ankle like this. Like that's it. And I'll tell my, I'll tell my dad, or I'll tell my boyfriend, or I'll tell my friends, can you hold my ankle? And like some of them will do it. Okay. Jasmine will never, but my other friends, like Sabrina, Samar, they will, they will hold my ankle, okay? And they'll just do it they'll just be talking and hold my ankle i don't know why i just i love it like i feel so connected to them it's not anything i just feel connected to them i feel like it feels like a hug to me that's what it feels like but in general maybe you don't like that but humans need physical touch it's actually really good for our serotonin they say that you should try to get an average of three hugs a day and it from anybody and it actually um really boosts your mood and your health and your energy levels so We need touch, right? So maybe this is why men love sports so much because in sports, right, people hug you, they high five you, they tap you on the butt, right? Like in sports, guys tap each other on the butt and somehow it's fine. Yet this is the most masculine environment, but it has the most physical touch, right? A doctor said that play, the touch from play is proven to have biological relief of anxiety and why so many kids love to play. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tanisha. I love that, right? But in sports, like I said, there's all this physical touch and it's literally the most masculine kind of thing that you can think of. Like when you think of like rough sports that men play, but there's a lot of physical touch. So in this book, the author talked about this love letter that she wrote to her best friend okay a platonic love letter so um she wrote this love letter and she poured her heart out to her best friend and something about our conditioning and our culture now made her feel like it was too far it was too much it was crossing that line it was a little bit weird and in this letter she wrote Um, about her best friend and she wrote about how she feels like her best friend is really like her soulmate how she feels like she's known her for so many lives how she appreciates her how she feels good when she's around her and she kind of after she wrote the letter she felt shame she felt shame like she couldn't be expressing this deep level of love for a friend like that wasn't okay because that was meant for like a romantic partner And she ended up putting, throwing the letter in like a basket and never giving it to her friend. Okay. Like if you actually think about it, like, wouldn't it be kind of weird? Like, wouldn't you be like, huh? If a friend of yours sent you like a three page letter about how much they love you. Like nobody does that. You know what I mean? Nobody does that. Someone said four hugs a day for survival, eight hugs a day for maintenance, 12 for growth. Oof, love that. But nobody really does that. So it's kind of like weird, you know, like, and so it, Ed Milet also said that kind of made him like cry a little bit because Ed Milet is super, super, like, um, he shows a lot of love to his friends. Like if you're one of his guy friends, like he says when they first start uh, being friends, like people find it really weird because he's very, he does a lot of physical touch. He does a lot of hugs. He tells them that he loves them all the time. Like he's very like that. And even with women too, with his female friendships, but he adds in a sister in there so that they know, you know, they, they know that it's not crossing the line. Right. Um, But it'll be on, on the podcast. That's me to save it. But um, so it's, It's interesting that like writing a letter to each other about how much we love and care and appreciate each other is weird, but writing a caption about it on Instagram isn't. Right? Writing a long how many people you see write long ass captions about their friends for their birthdays or for whatever. It's almost like we're willing to do it on social media. We're willing to do it over texting or using any sort of technology but we're not really willing to do it in person. The closer, like think of your friendships, the closer you get in real life, now all of a sudden it's getting a little bit weird. Right? Think about that. It's interesting because um, we don't show as much love to our friends in person, because it's kind of weird. Even if I think of like, I show a lot of love to my friendships, but I'm thinking like, I definitely show more like over text than I do in person. Right? And I think it's just the way that we've been conditioned. Do you tell your friends, I love you? Do you say it in person? Or do you just say it over social media or text? Especially men, right? But women as well. So we have this. Oh, yeah, it's like I only see the captions when moms write birthday, birthday posts for their kids or spouse and even parents. It might be true for your family relationships as well. I think. It definitely like even for me, it's definitely easier for me to express myself with certain people like. For example, my brother, I don't know why, but it's easier for me to express myself through text message than it is in person because he's not very expressive. So when I'm expressive in front of him, it kind of feels like I'm doing too much, you know? So even though I love the hell out of my brother and I still say, I love you when I get off the phone, but fun fact, my brother didn't tell me I love you as we're getting off the phone for like years until I called him out on it. I actually recorded conversations with him to see how many times he would say I love you back and literally like eight nine times out of ten he wouldn't say I love you back literally so I made this like I was gonna make a TikTok out of it I don't think I ever ended up posting it but it was so funny because I would literally be on the phone with him and I would tell him I love you and he'd be like okay bye or he'd just hang off the phone and he wasn't even realizing he'd do it he's just not expressive which is weird because I'm very expressive to my parents. I tell them I love them all the time, right? But even my parents, to me, I don't think like they're, they're super expressive. Like, I don't feel like th- they will say it, but it's not like, I don't know, you know, like it's it's probably different for your family and every family dynamic is different, but definitely it's easier to express things over text message than it is um, in person. And that's something to do with the way that we've been conditioned, our cultural conditioning. Alex said, I feel this as a mom, looking at younger kids showing affection towards one one another, boys with girls, boys with boys, girls with girls, they're all around the age of four, a hug, a kiss, a belly bump, all super innocent, but a lot of parents overreact, and I get it with today's society, but as young kids, people forget that we learn to explore through experiences, and yes, there's a line between respecting personal spaces, So it helps them as they get older, but no need to shame kids for showing affection like a four-year-old boy's thinking adult thoughts. Exactly. No, 100%. They're not. They're thinking love and it's actually natural. Like it's literally so natural. Thank you. Uh, uh, Thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful. But we all have this sense that like if we feel a little bit too deeply about a friend that it's not okay. And those are the emotions that you, you should have for a spouse and not a friend. Right. But so friendships are vital to our health and are vital to our quality of life. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but in the book, they, they, or in the interview, they talked about how to get more friends. Like if, if everything I'm saying to you right now, you're like, well, I want more friendships like that. And even like like I was thinking about this earlier, like I feel like I have a lot of great friends and I'm very grateful for my friends, but I feel like I, I want more of the dynamic and it, not to say it isn't there, I just never exercised it, right? I, I, oh, I still feel like I don't wanna inconvenience my friends, but I would love to like, for example, Let's say your friend is having anxiety or they're not they're feeling a little bit depressed and their room is messy and their house is messy. I would love for them to be able to like call on me and say, "Hey, like I'm I'm feeling like like shit. Could you come and like help me clean my room?" Like wouldn't that be such a beautiful like thing to do with your friend? Like I don't know, like thinking of the the back when I had some of my darkest moments, how much I would have appreciated just that like just for a friend to come over and help you clean your space or be with you while you're doing something that's hard or something that's difficult or something that you know like something that you you may be avoiding you know like like maybe uh um even things like okay I need to move around my furniture like I would feel a little bit like I'm inconveniencing my friends if I message them to come to my drive to my house just so they can help me rearrange furniture like maybe like I don't know why I feel like that because I'm sure all of them would say yes but I still naturally feel like that and and I don't like that. I I want to be that friend for people and I want those people my friends to be that person for me because I think that's what like like that's what life is about is having people that you can lean on, having people that you can call no matter what. And and in the book it even talked about friendships is not about necessarily talking to the person every single day. The the true test of a friend is where they are in your best and your worst moments in your life, right? Your best moments, are they celebrating with you? And your worst moments, are they supporting you? That's it, right? That's literally it. You may not talk to somebody every single day, but if you're there for them for their worst moments and you're there for them for their best moments, you will feel like a true friend for that person. How many of you have had a really, really tough time in something and there was this one friend that was there for you and like, you'll always cherish them for that. You'll always cherish them for being there for you in in such a tough moment in your life. And it may not be that they were there every day, but it's like, that's what, that's really the true test of friendship. Right? So anyways, how can we get more of these amazing friendships in our lives? you can't just expect friendship to happen. So they say a lot of the mistakes that adults do, right? When we're an adult, we expect for friendships to happen naturally. And that's not really happening in our day and age, okay? And the reason is, is because we're trying to use the same recipe that we used when we were kids to get friends when we're adults. And that doesn't work, right? Because when we were kids, we had this kind of infrastructure, this environment that provided continuous unplanned interaction, right? We would see our friends constantly over and over and over again because we went to school with them, because we hung out with uh, our parents, hung out with their parents, because they were our cousins, because whatever, right? You would have this continuous uh, unplanned interaction that you didn't plan, right? And you also had a shared vulnerability when you were a kid. Kids are super vulnerable with each other, right? They're very, very vulnerable with each other. And studies have shown that those two things are ingredients for natural progression of friendship like friendship that happens organically right having this continuous unplanned interaction and having this shared vulnerability which is something that happens for example in school you have that in school or um as adults we don't really have that as much right where are we going to randomly see people like yeah we see them at work but at work you're not going to be vulnerable so you don't have like the other part of the recipe you have the continuous interaction, but you don't have the vulnerability because you're not gonna be vulnerable at work to really foster those friendships unless you're in an environment where you are, like WFAB or, or, or MLM, any MLM, any, uh, you know, n- any team that does that, right? I feel like in, in our team, you foster so many friendships because you're vulnerable. Like we are really vulnerable with each other. We share our goals. We share our why's. We share the things that we're struggling with. We really open up to each other, and that allows us to actually foster beautiful friendships. Um, and I think because we have those two things, we have continuous interaction because of our calls. But then we also have, um, we also have the the vulnerability, which are the two things that you need. So as an adult, you don't really have this in most places, right? So you actually have to go out and make friendships. You have to go and make those, you have to pursue those romantic relationships, right? Sorry. What am I saying? You have to pursue those uh, um, platonic relationships, just like you pursue the romantic relationships. That's what I meant to say. Just like you pursue romantic relationships, right? You go on dates, you go on apps right nowadays, everybody be on an app and they be swiping because you're looking for, that is normal in today's culture to find a romantic relationship, but it's not really normal to find a friend, Right. It's normal to be looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not normal to be looking for a friend, right? It's not really common, right? And it's actually sometimes comes off like a little bit weird if you're coming for a friend, if you're looking for a friend, right? Like if you know someone that's like looking for a friend, our society, our culture has kind of Deem that as needy or or desperate, right? So it's this preconceived notion that we have about people that are looking for a friend. In Toronto, we got slang for it. We call it beg friend, right? I don't know, for those of you that are from Toronto, if someone's trying to be beg friend, we even make fun of people that are wanting to be friends, right? That's the culture that we have today. So how can we actually make new friends? Because the reality is that the average American is lonely they crave connection they crave being around other people right so they want to hear from you they want to foster relationships and what i uh, uh, one thing that they mentioned too that i thought was so beautiful is they said that um wh- why don't we message friends after we hang out with them just like we do when we go on a date you know when you go on a date and you say oh my god i had such a good time it was amazing Like, you know, like, I I can't wait to see you excited to like connect again. Like, you know, after a date, you typically send some sort of message that confirms that it was a good date. What about your friends? What about saying it's, oh, it it was so fun talking to you. Uh, It it was so fun seeing you. Like, let's do it again sometime. Right? Uh When's the last time we did that? I loved our lunch today. I had so much fun. I feel so good around you. Can't wait for us to get together again, right? You gotta do that for your friends too. You gotta nourish your friendships too, right? I actually did that uh, to a friend. I just sent him a a message this morning. Uh, It's a friend that I see maybe once or twice a year but I really, really appreciate his friendship. And I went for um, lunch with him the other day and I sent him a message and I said, you know what? I said, thank you so much. Uh, I said, I really had fun catching up with you the other day and I really, really appreciate our friendship. And he said the same thing. I, I didn't uh, open the message right now, but I saw him say, here's to another 10 years of friendship. And I was like, see, like, we don't really show that, right? Because I see him only once or twice a year. I saw him once in the past, like two years, I think. Right? And so you think that, I don't care about him, but I really do. I really care about that friendship. It, it it was it's a very good friendship for me, right? Anyways, the average American guys is lonely, okay? Good. I love that you do it. So they create, crave connection. So <clears throat> if you're looking to meet new friends and you meet someone somewhere randomly, whether it's an elevator or an event or whatever the case may be, like, say something like, say it's been fun talking to you, had a good conversation with you. I'd love to stay connected. Would you be open to exchanging information? Or, um, I'd love to like, I'd love to connect with you. What's your IG? Right? It is so freaking easy to do that. I actually always do that for my business, anyways. When I meet people that I like in an elevator, I always say, Let's connect. What's your IG? Always. Okay. And another thing that you can do if you want to meet friends is don't go to a networking event because a networking event is a one-time event. And remember, in order for relationships to foster organically, you need continued interaction. So join a community that meets repeatedly, right? So for example, like I mentioned WFAB or like a network marketing team, but you can join Anything that meets repeatedly, a book club, an improv club, a sports team or a sports club. Um, my dad did like a like a table tennis, little, little like group of friends that met up and, and did table tennis every single week, right? And he loved that. Like he he would get home so fulfilled, right? Um uh a class, like take a course on something, a personal development group or dance class, right? Any of that. Any of those things that are repeating, that are meeting repeatedly, uh, whether it's a hobby or you can go on meetup.com and find people with common interests. And that's a way where you can foster relationships more organically, right? Because you're capitalizing on something called the mere exposure effect. When you see people repeatedly, there is an unconscious tendency, right? It's not conscious that people will like you more the more they're familiar with you and vice versa, right? You will like people more the more that you're familiar with them. It's called the mere exposure effect. Researchers actually tested this uh, in a lecture hall by seeing uh, who liked who and how much, okay? Who liked who and how much? And they actually did a test and the woman who showed up to the classes all of the time were liked 20% more than the people who didn't show up. And it even if the people who did the survey didn't even know them, didn't even directly talk to them. So even from just not talking to them, seeing them over and over again made them subconsciously like them more. Isn't that crazy? Okay. So find a group that meets repeatedly and then commit for two to three months, because you need to, you need to commit. You can't go for like two days and be like, ah, I'm not really liking anybody. Right. Because you need time for that mere exposure, uh, effect to settle in right in the beginning is going to be a little bit awkward, but allow for that mere exposure to settle in. Okay. And take initiative with your friendships, Right. Sarah said, I'm that friend. I came to that realization a while back and became expressing thanks and gratitude towards my friends. I love that, okay? Take initiative. Like, thank your friends for going out with you. Send them a, a, maybe this this podcast episode, maybe this morning, this is what's going to trigger you to kind of send your friend a a gratitude message. Uh, Because it's not, what I find is it's, somebody has to do it and then it won't be weird. I have this friend who is amazing at, getting people to do things that are typically uncomfortable. And I kind of take a page out of her book and I try to do that, okay? Like she will randomly in the middle of us all hanging out, she'll randomly be like, okay, let's do a gratitude circle. Let's all say what we're grateful for uh, right now. Or in the middle of hanging out, cracking jokes, she'll be like, okay, let's talk about, you know, we we met up uh, uh, recently while I was here. And she was like, okay, let's everybody mention what was our favorite uh, favorite part about this year, this entire year. And it really just allows you to get vulnerable with your friends and reflect and like do things that would be maybe like random if you just did it out of the blue, but it allows you to do that when, when when she sets the table for it. And I remember once we even went on like a trip and it was like a group of friends and she planned a whole two hour meditation and journaling like session in our hangout group. And this is not like, a group that's in network marketing. This is outside of that, right? So it's not like they're in our team and they do personal development stuff for content or whatever. No, it was literally just for like, it was literally, she just wanted to do it. And we, we did these letters to our future selves. She found this like app where you can send a letter to yourself and you'll get it by email, like in a year from now or something like that. And we did that for two hours. We like meditated and we wrote that to ourselves and then we shared some things with each other. And it really, again, it's weird until you do it, and then it's not weird. And then actually everyone's grateful that you did it because everybody craves that intimacy, but maybe they just don't know how to start it. They don't wanna feel like they're burdening you or they're you know just talking about something random like or something vulnerable out of the blue, right? But everybody low-key craves that intimacy because I know for me when she does that, I crave that intimacy. and I'm like, wow, I'm so freaking grateful that she does that. So I started doing it with my friends and my family, right? I, I started doing that a lot. Like when I was at uh, in Montreal in the sauna with um with Jasmine and uh, um Sabrina, I every day that we were in the sauna, I said, let's do something. let's let's say uh, gratitude, right? Let's say f- five things that we're grateful for and went in a circle and we said that. And then the next one was like affirmations, right? The gratitude one we started crying, we started crying, right? Because one of the gratitude was each other and we just, we started crying. It was very intimate, right? But again, if you don't trigger it, it's not going to happen. Same thing with my family. The other day uh, I was driving and my parents were like complaining about something and I wanted to shift the energy, right? So I asked them, okay, let's all share things that we're grateful for. And it was like, kind of hard. Like my dad was like, I don't really know. I said like three things. I don't really know anything else. Like, cause he never does it. And I'm sure that they were grateful for that, for that intimacy and that vulnerability as well. Cause I made them do it. Um, I'm sure they were grateful for it too. Right. It's like, it's weird until you do it. And then it's not weird. Right. Like if you set the tone for your group or your friendship and then people will actually appreciate it. So anyways, that's, I, I wanted to tell that story to tell you guys like, be the friend. That that sends those messages. Be the friend that's over the top showing love for your friends. Be the friend that that thanks people for, for you know hanging out with you and, and spending time with you and showing them how much you appreciated it. Don't forget to date your friends too. Right? Don't forget to date those friends, those friends too. Nourish those relationships as well. Those relationships are so important, right? The crazy thing is that your friendships are not inferior. Because they to like your platonic friendships are not inferior to your romantic relationships because they inherently are. They're inferior because you express less affection to your friends than you do your significant other. You don't have any formal ceremonies that you do with your friends that you maybe do with your significant other. You're less vulnerable with your friends, and you commit less time. So obviously, if we're doing less affection, less ceremonies, less vulnerability, less time, obviously the romantic relationships are going to take the lead. And this is not to say that I I want you to replace your romantic relationships. They're both important in my eyes, but uh, based on data, based on research, okay? Married people were significantly, sorry, not significantly. Married people were only slightly happier than single people. But single people with large, large networks were actually significantly happier than the average married person. Isn't that crazy? That's not to say that you don't need a man. Okay. You don't need a girl. I personally think that you do, but, uh, based on, uh, the author said that the, the impact, the the evidence of that, the impact of that evidence is that uh, you could have a fulfilling life with just friends, right? It's not personally f- for me, but for example, I can see how that is for some people. There's a friend that I have that doesn't really believe in monogamy, right? He just doesn't. He just doesn't believe it's natural. It doesn't feel natural to him. He doesn't want to do it. And um, some people just prefer not to commit to one sexual partner, right? And he is committed to one partner. But it's very uncomfortable for him like he does I, I know because he told me that this is very uncomfortable for him it doesn't feel natural to him but of, because he cares about the person and because of whatever other reason he continues to do it right so some people prefer not to commit to one sexual partner and that maybe that type of person would be better suited with having whatever sexual partners they want to have, and then a diverse network of friends that fulfill those needs, that fulfill those non-sexual needs, right? The love that we need, right? So <clears throat> maybe that's for some people, but you know, whatever works for you. For me personally, I think both are so important. I think your relationship is one of the most important things in your life, Um, I think the person that you marry, the person that you end up spending your life with has an impact on everything else that you do, your happiness, your success. I think it is the most uh, um, legal, it's the most significant decision that you might make in your life because it really, really will impact your life in every single way. When you live with someone, you become like one, you know? So personally, I think both are important, but I think this, this statistic showing you how people can be happy with just friendships in their life, or how the uh, a single person with a larger network is happier than the average married person, showing that, that to me, literally shows how important friendships are for your life. Like how important they are and why you need to give them more attention than what you're giving them now, right? Don't let romantic, Relationships be the only source of love. And also don't let romantic relationships damage your long-term friendships. That's another thing. I see. Put a one in the chat if you've ever seen that. If you've ever seen, or if you if it's happened to you, or if you know somebody that it's happened to, where they get with their with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, all of a sudden they forget about their friends. Right? The friends disappear. Right? A lot of you guys. So you don't have to pick one or the other. If your romantic partner is causing you to choose, then you should reevaluate that relationship. Right? Because you need both. Research also shows that to have a healthy romantic relationship, each person needs to have friends. That's another thing. Right? Each person needs to have friends. The richness of your friendships also affects your mental health. Okay? Which is crazy because your partner affects your mental health too, right? Research shows that if your partner is happy, you're gonna be happier. If your partner is more depressed, it's gonna have an impact on you as well, your, your romantic partner, right? But, but the richness of your friendships also has an impact on your mental health, okay? So if your partner has more friends, and they're happier, or has more good platonic relationships, and they're happier, that's going to have an impact on you and vice versa, right? So it has an impact on on your relationships as well. It's been shown that people who have a lot of rich platonic uh, friendships also are happier in their relationships, okay? In their uh, romantic relationships. But what's crazy, this part was crazy. Are you ready for this? It also affects your physical health too. What? Research shows, and by the way, this author is all research backed. Like, like she I, I didn't write down all the studies and all the whatever, but she's super research-backed. Okay. She loves quoting studies for every every answer, every question she answered with a study. But research shows that the impact of loneliness on our bodies is similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Bruh. Isn't that crazy? The impact of loneliness on our bodies is similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That means that the social connection that you have with your friends, it contributes to your mortality. Even more, get this, get this, get this, get this, than diet and exercise. Bro, even more than diet and exercise. We know the diet and exercise have a positive impact on your mortality, right? You live longer if you diet and you exercise based on what you eat. We know that. But apparently, now we don't know how, I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently your friendships have an even bigger impact. And I actually believe this, okay? I believe it because humans, as a baby, we have an inherent need for connection. We do. We can pretend like we're all independent or whatever and we don't need nobody. And it's just me, myself, and I, me against the world. But as our biology stands, we need connection. And we've always needed it. When we when we were babies, you could actually die from not having connection. So I truly believe it. Wild, how important friendships are. Joanna said, yes, but human beings are made to live in groups, right? Communities. So I hope today's call gave you a reminder to take your friendships seriously, to pour into them, to give them love, to talk about things that are bothering you, right? Rather than distancing yourself to understand how important it is to foster beautiful, meaningful relationships for a long and happy life. And you be the start of the change. If your friendships are not where you want them to be, you be the start of the change you do those things that are kind of a little bit weird. You, you be the one that gives a lot of physical atten- uh, affection. you be the one that gives a lot of, um, love and trust me, it will be, it, it, it will come back. Okay. It'll be weird in the beginning, but it will come back eventually. Okay. Um, for, for the right people. So I hope you guys enjoy that. If you're listening on the podcast, Um, At this call, this, uh, you know, interview really like was beautiful to me. And and I hope that you guys got that too. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to go do the mastermind on the zoom. But um, if you're listening, we appreciate you and we appreciate you sharing our calls and sending you guys so much love.